Golden Spiral Media presents The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. Episode 9, the mid-season retrospective dance party celebration. Welcome back, everybody, to The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. I'm Tony. And I'm drunk. And we're... Wait, no, I'm not. Sort of. Well, (laughs) it's a party! On sugar. (laughs) I'm Joe Zettelmeyer. And we are your co-hosts for this, The Devil You Know, a show celebrating Constantine, that NBC show that we love. So... It's the mid-season hiatus right now. Let's gather around the fire, drink a nice eggnog, and talk about the things we loved about Constantine so far. I don't have eggnog, but we're going to celebrate with, um, this is, listen. Right? I've got, mine doesn't have ice in it, but I'm shaking it by the... Wild Cherry Pepsi. Mm. Mm. Uh, these red vines and we are having a special sh- uh, recording today we are coming to you live straight from jasper's mill house we figured let's do something crazy so we literally went to the mill house and that's where we are now tony have I ever told you about the fact that i've been there before you know I- i'm so glad <laughs> <laughs> that we have you here to show us how to get here jill and it's amazing being here we're just treating this podcast as a celebration Fun, goofy, fun things, and uh, enjoying being in the mill house. There's a whole little. We're trying not to get killed by all the weird stuff on the shelves. Right. We had a third podcaster here who went into this weird room and never came back. Yeah, we're hoping. We'll see what happens. Joe had a little run in with the Sword of Night, mm-hmm. that one that makes you speak your deepest truths. <laughs> that got awkward <laughs> super fast. And strangely, Angelica Soleil now has a restraining order against him. What? So, what? Um, nothing. I love that this is our chance to be goofy. I love that this is the time we've decided to be goofy because that hasn't happened up till this point. Um, I take my podcasting very seriously, Joe. It's hard to talk with red vines in your mouth. I was about to make a totally rude joke, and I totally decided not to. I think that was probably a good choice. So welcome back, everybody. We hope that you have enjoyed the first eight episodes of Constantine. We did. Is it a perfect show? No, but today is a celebration. It's the season of the holidays. We had Christmas and Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and Festivus. We had New Year's and... So we're in a celebratory mood, so we're going to celebrate the things we liked about the first eight episodes. Winter Solstice, I knew I was missing one. Winter Solstice, yeah. That seems very Constantine-appropriate. Absolutely. You know something weird happens. So let's talk about the news first, Joe. News! Dance party news! Constantine will return for the last five episodes of season one on January 16th at, Joe, 8 p.m. That's right. They're messing us up. They're changing the time. Grimm is staying at 9 o'clock. So Constantine's big lead-in right, from the supernatural from Grimm at 9 o'clock to Constantine at 10 o'clock, that relationship is changing. So I love that. You do love that? I don't love that. You don't. Tell me why. Well, I liked having the lead-in. I thought, uh, well, there, it's two parts. Uh, part number one is I liked having the lead-in from Grimm. Um, I felt like that it, it, it kind of created a nice bridge into Constantine. And my honestly, my biggest concern of changing it from a 10 o'clock in the evening show to an 8 o'clock in the evening show 
is now I'm a little concerned that they're going to have to tone down some of the awesome, some of the gory, scary, screwed up, messed up stuff that I love. Yeah, and that's been... In general, that's been um, one of the main responses all over the interweb tubes uh, once they announced <laughs> this time change was, oh boy, that could make it easier for people to see. Sure. But also, it could mean that they're going to have to tone down the show because 8 p.m., there are youngsters watching TV, and so 8 p.m. shows are, in general, less gritty. Right. Now, there was also a, a thing I read that really got me thinking that was sort of rebutting that, saying... Is rebutting a word? I think so. I win! Saying that... That's the question of the week, folks. Is rebutting a word? (laughs) (laughs) Saying that um, those days are sort of over. Because nowadays with... I'll back up. The argument was that that used to be a very solid idea. A very solid practice was... Eight o'clock was family time. Anything after that was for adults only. But as times changed, as technology changed, everything is DVR'd now. Everything is available on Hulu and Netflix and iTunes. And so the idea that kids can't see things that happen at 9 or 10 o'clock is no longer true. And so parenting is parenting. And the parents are in charge of that and have to be in charge of that. So there are a lot more risks and things being taken in earlier hours of television. Um, simply because no matter when they're aired, they're available for kids to watch now. And so the parents are either stepping up and making sure the kids don't see inappropriate things or they're not. Right. But the networks are, are and, and cable shows and things are simply not waiting until 9 or 10 p.m. to air those things anymore. So I don't know how true that is, but it was a really interesting read. Man, I just, I hope it's true because the show, the last episode alone, it was just kind of like, all right, now we're into the show I want it to be. It's gross. It's legitimately scary. It's weird and creepy. And I'd hate to see them lose any of that. I agree. I agree completely. Um, Pass me that nacho hat. All right. Thanks. Hold on. I got to get it off my head first. No, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> Just lean over this way. Mm, oh, God, nacho cheese everywhere. <laughs> so a little bit more news. Uh, a couple of tweets that I want to share from Mark Verheiden, who's one of the producer-writery guys. Verheiden! He said on December 30th, remember the invents you saw at the end of the last step of Constantine? Oh, do I? You won't like what it does in part two. <laughs> I loved that because I thought, oh, good. I can't wait to see what it does now. That's, right. you know, because one of the things we've been talking about is what happens in part two. You know, John's not going to die. Well, of course. Not. Which is one of the silly things about a, quote, cliffhanger like that. Um, because you know he's not going to die. But the part about this fun is how is he not going to die? Right. You know, like we've talked about before, the journey. And what is that journey going to be? What happens to him next? And there are loads of things from the comics that we know could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if you watched the preview for next episode, you have a good idea as to what's going to happen. Yeah, and if you didn't, we won't spoil that no, we for won't. you now. But uh, it looks like it's going to be very cool. Yes. So, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that the Invunche is going to start doing so. Because, I mean, literally all we saw the Invunche do was kind of crawl across the wall and look scary as all but Jesus. And look super creepy. Oh, yes. my God. Mm-hmm. But... As scary as it already is, what's it going to be like when it actually starts doing stuff? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Okay, so um, the other 
tweet from him. Oh, you said Invunche. Why do I keep calling Invunch? Uh, I don't know. I think it's... Uh, I'm saying Invunch. You say Invunche. And somebody Let's call the whole thing correct. off. <laughs> he said on December 31st, he tweeted, It's a Constantine New Year. Invunche and Faust and Papa Midnight and Corrigan are all coming your way at 8 p.m. on NBC on Friday. Yikes. You may have caught a name in there for a character that has yet to show up on the show. We've already seen Invunche. We've already seen... Uh, Papa Midnight, we've already seen Corrigan, but we haven't seen Faust. And in my research, there's a few characters in the DC universe uh, referred to as Faust. Uh, that's Tony drinking his drink. Sharing a little party cheer with everybody. Uh, Joe, tell us about Faust. Uh, in my research, I found a little uh, interview with uh, David Goyer referring to the fact that the Faust that we are dealing with is, in fact, Felix Faust, one of the J- JLA's oldest, long-timiest villains, a master of the arcane arts, and scary as all get out. Oh, it should be very cool if he, that's who shows up. Right? And this, I mean, this is a character I think I, I want to say started showing up in the 60s. So we've got a, a lot of history to draw upon with Felix Faust. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, is anybody out there? Red vine? Anybody? Uh, Red vine? It's like flavored plastic. Pass. But it's yummy flavored plastic. Gross. So the other tweet that I wanted to bring up came from the man himself, Daniel Cerrone. Well, one of the men. One of the women. One of the people in charge. Why do you got to bring sex into us, Tony? Well, I don't, gender is important, Joe. Fair enough. And we should be equal in how we treat all genders, Joe. I just got schooled. <laughs> Daniel Cerrone tweeted, Constantine returns 116, new time at 8 p.m., and airs five straight episodes. Why, question mark, NBC wants us to succeed, exclamation point. So that's a positive thing. Absolutely. And that, that seems to jive with everything uh, the studio has been doing up till this point. Is they The whole, I think every, the urge to panic at 13 episodes was there. I really feel like NBC's gotten ahead of that as much as they can and been... They, they've really been promoting the show. They believe in the show. Yeah, absolutely. And they want to see a second season. Lord knows, so do I. So, we have hope. There's still a positive atmosphere surrounding it. Uh, we talked about last time on the last episode of The Devil You Know that uh, David Goyer had tweeted out... It was either David Goyer or Daniel Cerrone. One of them had tweeted out the fact that we probably won't find out about a season two. Right, until spring. Until spring, well after these last five episodes have aired. Um, there's nothing we can do about that. All we can do is hope, but... I will be holding my breath. Well, <laughs> perfect. The, the, the Tony may be needing a new podcasting partner in the, <laughs> right. in, the, in the next few months. The thing that we can do is... Uh, watch the show, keep supporting the show, get on Twitter and Facebook and email and whatnot and let NBC know that you like the show and share it with your friends and get them watching. The more people that watch uh, these next five episodes live or DVR them and watch them next day, that kind of stuff. DVR and counts. The more we do that, the more chance we have of NBC saying, all right, the ratings aren't Spectacular, but they're not awful, so let's do another season. As long as they can show that they've got a strong following for the show, I think we're going to be in good shape. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, I think that's all the news. Any other news from you, Joe? Um, I had a birthday not that long ago. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. At, uh, mine is coming up at the end of this month. Oh, I'll let you know. Oh, yeah. 
if any of you guys want to give me belated birthday presents, uh, that is totally, totally cool. Nope. Just shoot me a message on Facebook. Let me know. Nobody does. They absolutely do. Uh, they might. All right. I can't speak for everybody. Let's move into something else that we want to talk about here. One of the many ways that uh, Golden Spiral Media keeps all of these podcasts coming to you free for no charge is by... Except for your soul. Well, that's... I was going to get to that. Sorry. We, I, I spoiled it. We, <laughs> no. We... There are a number of affiliates that we work with. Uh, and one of them that we want to point everyone towards is lynda.com. It's L-Y-N-D-A.com, which is a place to go for tons of learning possibilities. You can check out lynda.com for over 3,000 video courses from expert teachers who are passionate about teaching. You can learn from your computer or your tablet or your mobile device, and there's courses covering all sorts of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, all sorts of stuff. And you can, it's a smorgasbord of topics and things you can learn. And if Constantine has taught us anything, it's that knowledge is power. Right? And also having a magic uh, playing card that can be anything is really useful. Absolutely. I think those are the two things I've gotten so far. I feel like Doctor Who taught us that a while ago. but <laughs> I think it did. Uh, so please visit goldenspiralmedia.com slash Linda, L-Y-N-D-A. And if you go through there, through that portal, your first seven days of learning from Linda.com are totally free. There's tons more we could talk about with it. There's like 3,000 video courses with new courses being added weekly, expert instructors, lots of uh, courses for all different levels. So if you're brand new to a topic or an expert in a topic, you still have things you can learn there. And there's things like um, web developers, web design, photography, business, education, 3D animation, video, audio, music, lots of stuff to do. So go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash Linda and see what you can find. Thanks for supporting goldenspiralmedia.com and the devil you know. We appreciate it. The devil you know. The devil you know. Speaking of the devil you know, let's let's talk about some favorite moments from these first eight episodes, Joe. Tony and I have both picked our favorite, our top five moments of the series. What we have not done is shown the lists to each other, so I have no idea what Tony's favorite moments are, and nor does he have mine. Although I secretly suspect we have the same number one favorite well, moment. And and also, I, I have to say that my list specifically, like I didn't go through. I wanted this to be a little more. Um, off the top of my head kind of thing. So sure. I, I sat here and thought, when I think back about these eight episodes, what are some of the images or events or lines or things that just come back to me where I go, oh, that was fun. Oh, yep. that was cool. That was good. So, you know, this is as unofficial as you can get. There's oh, no absolutely. Rank. But um, so my number five, Joe, for me. Yes. Was the quote from John <laughs> during Dance Voodoo. Great episode. Dance Voodoo? Wait. Dance voodoo. Um, where John is being tied up, and he says... That's Devil's Vinyl. Is it Devil's Vinyl? It is Devil's Vinyl. First pop of midnight. For it is. Thank you very much. You're no right. problem. And he says, I only use zip dyes if I have a safe word. 
which made me laugh because it was a very John Constantine kind of, you know, let's get gritty and not be afraid to talk about sex and be smarmy and sarcastic. And I that made me laugh because it was a very spot on from Constantine quote. Let's talk about sex. Dance party. Everybody. I don't know why we don't get hired to DJ more stuff. Look out, kids having bar mitzvahs. Here we come. What's your number five, Joe? My number five is actually a tie. Kids having bar mitzvahs. Who's going to bring us to that? You know, Tony, it's that kind of negative attitude that holds us back. (laughs) Your number five. Uh, My number five is actually a tie um, because there were just two moments that I really loved. Interestingly enough for me, uh, there are several of my favorite episodes actually are not on my top five list because I'm just finding specific moments that I really enjoyed. Um, the tie for me is I loved Chaz versus the Sword of Truth. Uh, yes. Just had me in hysterics. Uh, Char- uh, Helford's performance in that moment was just riotously funny. I agree. Uh, and made me, just made me laugh. You know, if you want to talk about this. <laughs> um, and the other one, and it was just a pure screaming fanboy moment that made me squeal. I admit that the first episode had a lot of stuff I didn't particularly love in it, but it had one thing that made me jump up and down and scream, which was the Dr. Fate helmet. Yes. Uh, seeing the Dr. Fate helmet, not only seeing it in the show, but looking exactly like it did in the comic like just ripping it right out of the pages of the comic yeah, book. Yeah, it was very, very well done. Made me jump up and down. Very nice. Awesome. Uh, my number four was I just went with... The relationship between John and Gary and the whole darkness of the Feast of Friends episode. That was a great one. That, that was, you know, we'd seen a few episodes and they had been okay. They'd huh? been pretty good. But we hit the Feast of Friends. And first off, we knew that it came, it was very much right out of the comics. Right. The storyline. And the darkness of it. The, the, was the darkest the show had gotten to that point. Absolutely. And also the relationship between John and Gary was just really nice. Yeah. And the end of that episode where Gary makes his decision, you know, and, and they changed it a little bit from the comic. Because in the comic, Gary isn't given a choice. Yeah. You know, and uh, in the episode, he chooses to stand there and become the vessel to hold this hunger demon, right? Absolutely. And it was a beautiful moment between two guys who had known each other for a long time. And I I just loved the storytelling that episode and it gave me such hope for where the series could go that 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 had to that went on my list. I actually found an interesting little tidbit about that episode. Uh, that Matt Ryan and the jo- uh, gentleman who played uh, Gaz are actually super, super good friends in real life. Yes, they are. They're yes, like I knew two, that. They're like best friends. And he was someone... Which, you know, had to help that chemistry. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I think, part of why that moment, you know, that whole episode really jumped off the page is you could tell the closeness that these two guys had. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think so. And so that, that wound up being my number four, just the stuff surrounding that episode that I liked. Yep. What do you got? My number four, interestingly enough, uh, also features a member of John's old gang. Ooh. I know, look at that. And again, Tony and I have not shown each other our lists. Um, for me, it's because it's an actor who's an all-time favorite of mine, and I just loved his portrayal of it. Seeing Jeremy Davies as Richie 
made me very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, not only because Derby Davies looked exactly like Richie, I couldn't believe how much they looked alike. And yeah, he did. Versus the comic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richie's a character I really like from the comic book, uh, and I'm there. I'm really. I would love to see them do the Richie storyline from the comic. Uh, I think you know the one I speak of. Oh yeah, uh, and I think people who read the comic know, and people who don't, you don't need to know. But there, there's potential for Richie to come back. Absolutely. And uh, have some pretty cool stuff happen with him. So it would be fun to see, you know, what the TV show's version of that story would be. I think it could be super cool and have some very, very exciting special effects. Um, without going in, you know, into any great deal about it, uh, as you can probably tell from the people from John's past that we've already met, things don't go super great for Richie. Right? But we're not going to tell you any more of that. Nope. Nope, we sure aren't. <laughs> All right. My number three, Joe, um, you mentioned this, so we have an overlap. Mm-hmm. Number three for me was John and Chaz chatting with the Sword of Night. Because for all the reasons you mentioned, I loved Chaz dealing with, you know, just picks it up. Yeah, my wife loves me. That's probably the reason my wife loves me. But I had more than just that little moment. I loved that whole scene for the character work that it gave us between John and Chaz. Yep. And I remember when it happened, it happened in an episode that was aired a little bit later, three or four, I can't remember now. But we said, oh, this is the kind of character stuff we need yeah. to start appreciating these characters and, and getting to know who they are. And for that reason, not just the comedic effect, but I loved that moment between them, the, just who they were and them getting along and just regular every day, like hanging around at the middle house. You know, I, I, for the same reason, I almost put the moment when Chaz was serving them breakfast, you know, because yes. just those every day, here are these people dealing with their lives. Living normal lives surrounded by all this bizarre occult craziness. Right. Loved it. So yeah. that was my number three. And I loved I, I loved the moment, too, when John, like, tries to be there for Chaz and is just terrible at it. John is yeah. just terrible <laughs> at being there for people. And Chaz knows it. Yep. It's just like, yeah, no, thanks. Absolutely. <laughs> so my number three, uh, and I know I talked about this a ton in the last podcast, but it's, it's an image that just stuck with me, and I still think about it from time to time, and it just sends shivers down my spine. The flesh fruit. That's a good man. one. There was it, it, it just from the minute he plucked it off the tree, you look at it and you're like, it looks like a pear, but there's something off right. about that pear. Yeah, and there was. And then he pushed the, the moment for me is when he pushes the knife into it mm-hmm. and it bends the way that like soft fatty flesh bends. Yes. Uh, and then it starts it bleeding. It just starts bleeding oh. all over. Oh. Yes, that was pretty great. You know, and again, like I am someone who has a deep passionate love for horror movies. The only downside of having a deep, passionate love for horror movies is you start to get a case of I've seen it all. Right. And, you know, you see a lot of horror films kind of repeating the same tropes over and over and over again. Flesh Fruit was new to me. <laughs> that yeah. was never something I'd ever seen before. I don't know. Has anybody seen that? Let us right? know. Send and us some feedback. Let it, us know. It did invoke a moment of... Ugh. <laughs> 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 That's a sound we can do without, I think. <laughs> nope, do not edit that out, Tony. I'm going to do more of it. <laughs> All right. Anyone with a sympathetic gag reflex is just hanging up now. Hanging up? Hanging up. They're talking to us on a phone? A lot of people listen on their phones, Joe. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. Episode, uh, episode um, uh, the topic number four for me, bullet point here. Uh, oh, you're doing number four. I'm doing I, number. I, I'm going backwards. Number two for there me. We go. There we go. Uh, number two for me was the appearance of the specter 
when Zed touched Corrigan's hand. I am flummoxed. I thought for sure that would be your number one. <gasps> I've flummoxed him. I, that was such a great moment. Oh, my God. And, you know, uh, for anyone who knows... Well, backing up, knowing the Spectre, knowing the history of the character and all that stuff, it was super cool. But even if you didn't, just watching the comic, watching this thing happen, I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. watching the episode, watching this thing happen, you know that it was going to lead to something else happening with this character down the line. Right. You know, and... That alone, for people who don't know the Spectre of the comic, was probably pretty great. Knowing the Spectre, who, and m- many people who watch this are fans of DC Comics and know right. the Spectre, um, that was pretty awesome. I could not agree more. Yeah. So that was my number two of Super Cool Moments. What was yours? Interesting. My number two was our good friend, the Invunche. Uh, oh, again, yeah. creepy. The, as as kind of jaded a horror fan as I can be sometimes, uh, that would have scared me in a rated R horror movie. I couldn't believe how well they pulled it off on a TV show. Yeah, it was pretty gross. Uh, and it's it's made all the more scary for those of us who know the comic book, who know what the Invunche is made of uh, and how it's created in the first place. And it just... It's, it's pretty terrifying even in the comic, and they did such a good job... Transfer, transferring it from the comic to the screen. Uh, yes. It looked great. It looked very much like it does in the comic book. Um, and actually getting to see it do that herky-jerky movement, uh, the twisted, agonized face on that, the, the sort of face on the sort thing. Sort of face, yeah. No oh. eyes or nose or anything, yeah. Gross and scary, yeah, I agree. Whoa. Very cool. Um, all right, well, my top moment, which I know you thought it was going to be the Spectre, my top moment was in... The state of last resorts, and it was the moment I know when they're down in the tunnels, facing Lamashtu, and they're rescuing the infants, and John holds the infant down to the water and says to Lamashtu, "The only way you win is if this baby's alive. Tell me what I need to know, or I kill it and you lose." And that moment to me, not because. I'm a fan of anything bad happening to babies, but because it was such a moment of John Constantine being John Constantine. Absolutely. It was the darkest moment I think we've seen him have in the series to date. I would completely agree. And to me, that was a fabulous moment that said, this is who this guy is. This is what his life is. In order to save a whole bunch of people, he's not going to be afraid to do this horrific thing. This thing that he knows, we we learned in the first episode, right? that he's got a chance to save his soul, which is damned to hell. He's got a chance. We learned from Manny Mm -hmm. in that awesome stop the rain moment of the pilot episode, that he's got a chance to rescue his soul, to save his soul. And yet... And yet, to do what needs to be done, he's willing to do this horrific thing, which I guarantee you is not good if you're trying to save your soul. Right. Killing right. babies that, is not on that list. Right, that might, that might cost you a few points for Gryffindor. And, exactly. And so that moment to me, I loved it. And when I think about the eight episodes we've seen, that moment stands out as one of the strongest. 
that's where this show can go, and that's who this tormented guy is, and I, I really dug it. I think that's John at his best. I think the character is at his most interesting. We, The world needs people who are willing... Well, maybe that's speaking too much. The comic book world uh, needs people who are willing to do horrible things for the greater good, and that's always been what John is about, and that's why we love him, is... He is absolute, absolutely doing things for the right reasons. He's just doing the worst possible things. Right. Because he knows no one else will. And that's why we love John. There you go. That's, so that's my number one moment from the eight episodes we've had so far. I think you can probably guess what my number one moment was based on the reaction to your number two moment. Probably um, when, when Zed was drawing some pictures. Mm. That was just, I mean, the storytelling. No! <laughs> Storytelling. No! Uh, my absolute favorite moment, uh, and of course it was for the episode that I did not podcast because I was in Florida. Um, dear Lord, the introduction of the Spectre, I, I absolutely flipped. I flipped because, you know, you see the introduction of Jim Corrigan, you expect that we're going to see some Spectre stuff eventually. I did not expect it in the very first episode. I loved the effects of it. I loved everything about it. The fact is, I love when comic book shows bring in characters from the comic books. Now, there is a line. You don't, you know, I don't want to see this go Spider-Man 3. I don't need to see 18 villains in the same episode. <laughs> um, okay. You, know, you want to spread it out to a degree. But I love the way that it creates the larger world of the DC mystical universe characters. Yes. And I think many would agree with me that when it comes to, like, supernatural characters, the Spectre is the granddaddy of all of DC's supernatural characters. Yeah, he's been around forever. Been around since the 40s. Arguably awesome powers. Arguably one of the most powerful characters in the entire DC canon. Sure. He's got the powers of the wrath of God. Yep. And I just, I just screamed the moment where uh, uh, Corrigan's hair got the the white streak in it. Yeah. Uh, the moment of the, the green nimbus surrounding his body. I, mm-hmm. I just absolutely squealed with nerdy glee. Yeah, and it will be really cool to see where that goes. Yep. Because... I got a theory about that. You know, Sarone told us we're going to see more of him, and I, I love the idea that occasionally Constantine has to come up against or alongside right. this creature, this being that we all know. Uh, and for good or for bad, who knows, but it'll be pretty great. And that's one of the fun things about the Spectre in the comic books is, for the most part, he's a good guy. He was a founding member of the Justice Society of America. He is predominantly a hero. That being said, he's not doing, you know, he's not adhering to the traditional human moral code. His is divine justice, and yep. he has certainly been on the bad side of things on multiple occasions. Yeah, he's not afraid to, to be bring the hammer down. No. no. Not only is he not afraid, that's basically like his go-to. There's no right. subtlety with the Spectre. Right? I, this is a character who, you know, for a while would, to punish people, would turn them into vases yes. and then bring a giant hammer down upon them to yes. shatter them into millions of people, you know. He it, has he <laughs> has turned people into pillars of salt. He has brought plagues. There is virtually nothing he won't do, and he doesn't usually start out small and work his way up to big. Right. He usually comes in big. Right. And he's been on the bad side, maybe not as much as the good, but he's been there plenty, so there's no telling in the show where he might end up. Right, and what that could do to Constantine and, you know, and, and Team Jasper's Millhouse, 
could be pretty sweet to see. Pretty sweet and terrifying. Excellent. So those are um, ten of the moments from the show that we liked a lot. What do you guys think? Let us know. Feel free to send in feedback. Let us know what you think. Uh, of course, you can send in feedback by calling the Golden Spiral Media Feedback Hotline 304-837-2278. Let us know what you think. And you can also go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback and you can typey type feedback in or you can use your vocal skills and the speak pipe widget on the website there and send in some audio feedback too. We'd love that. Because we love you. Joe, let's move on to uh, one of the other things we want to talk about now in our brief little dance party celebration. I like it. That's good. You we know, should do that more often. I think it's going to happen. <laughs> our misfits. What, uh, what kind of things? Let's talk about some prediction things coming up for the last five episodes of this season, Joe, because there are a few mysteries we still need to get solved. Sure. You know, so let's start with uh, talking about Chaz. Chaz has these powers of resurrection that, one, have not been explained at all. Nope. Uh, two, uh, are not in the comic book. Nope. So what do you think? You know, we had one fabulous submission of feedback yes. that suggested that he was a supernatural being and specifically a werewolf and said that, you know, you and I joke a lot about the fact that Chaz disappears from a lot of episodes. And the, the feedback we got said, well, maybe that's on purpose. Maybe Chaz can't be there all the time because, you know, he's locked himself up because it's turned into werewolf time. I'm not going to lie. I'd love that. I happen to be, as far as the monster cannon goes, uh, werewolves are among my all-time favorites. And Chaz is gigantic and very hairy. So yeah, all I of that is true, yeah. Would not, you know, I could totally see that happening. Yeah. Uh, I like that idea. I do think, I mean, uh, it could be anything, but I do like the idea that he's some kind of supernatural being. Well, and that's where some of my theories go as well. Um, for those of you, again, if you're familiar with the comic books, uh, Chaz is very different in the comic book than he is in the TV show. He's a very different type of character. Um, in the comic book, he is, uh, in many ways, he is John's getaway driver. And he also looks completely different than Charles Halford. Yes. Uh, looks completely different. And there's a part of me, I have a few theories and thoughts. I actually read in an interview with uh, David Goyer where he talks about the fact that a lot of people think Chaz is immortal because of the number of times he dies and comes back. And David uh, Goyer went on record as saying Chaz is not immortal. And there's only a certain number of times he can do what he's doing. Which immediately brought me back to another DC character who has the exact same power as that. Although I don't think that this is the same character. Um, again, my knowledge of DC is not what Tony's is. But one comic that I followed religiously was JSA, Justice Society of America. One of the original members of the JSA was Wildcat slash Ted Grant. Ted Grant received supernatural powers uh, sometime in his past. They're a little vague on it. At which point he developed nine lives, and which, meaning that he can die nine times and resurrect immediately nine times. And I don't know if that's going to be the same case with Chaz. I think it might be interesting because uh, Wildcat got his through supernatural means, and I wonder if Chaz maybe got something similar. I would not be surprised if he wound up getting some type of similar thing. Uh, I think it's not Ted Grant. No, I don't it's think It's not so Wildcat because for a very specific reason that Ted Grant um, in the DC television universe uh, has appeared on Arrow. Right. Oh. 
Oh, I did not know that. And I don't watch it. Right. And he's there. And the, the character's changed a little bit in the sense that up to this point, anyway, we certainly don't know if he has any powers. But he, in in Arrow, he's a character who was a boxer Much who like became a vigilante hero. And then at this point in the Arrow continuum, he has essentially retired from that. Not because of uh, he's grown too old or what he's just uh, with doing it. Um, One of the things I always liked about Ted Grant in the comic books is that he's old. He's, you know, he's he was around in the 40s, and now he's, you know, he's an older man. He's still uh, tough as nails. Yes. Uh, and actually, it's a, it's almost, a, there's a part of me that looks at Charles Halford and goes, you know, he actually would have been a great Ted Grant. Looks, sure. Looks a lot like him. Yeah. And, yeah, the, the Wildcat is one of the, like, elder statesmen of, yes. the, you know, the senior members of the superhero teams. But... I don't think he's that, but I do think that there's some value somewhere in there that something happened and, and Chaz got some type of supernatural... I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I can't wait to find out what it is. Another theory I have, and again, it's just taking root in the fact that the character of Chaz in the comic is so different than the character of Chaz in the TV show. Right. Uh, including the fact that the character of Chaz in the comic book does not have the supernatural resurrection power. There is a part of me that wonders... And again, it's just a theory based on my own crazy musings that wonders if this isn't actually Chaz, that this is a supernatural creature, entity, what have you, that has taken on the identity of Chaz, that even thinks it's Chaz, but in fact is not actually Chaz. Maybe the original Chaz is dead. We don't know. Mm. And this thing has just taken on its, his identity, perhaps without even realizing it. Interesting. And you think John knows that? I do. I think if that is the case, I think John knows. Yeah. If that, that, that would make sense that he would know. Right? And, you know, maybe that's part of the reason why Chaz, you know, vanishes from time to time. Maybe that has something to do with his supernatural nature. Maybe Chaz doesn't even realize he's gone when he's gone. Who knows? Right. Right. Interesting. I don't know. <laughs> so, but I do know that they said episode 10 is a Chaz-centric episode. Yes. So we come back on the 16th and we get the wrap up to the Save the Last Resorts saga. Right. And then the episode, and that's episode nine. So the next one after that should give us a little more insight to Jason. Yeah, very cool. All right, other topics to discuss, Joe. We learned via the long distance skull call to hell. That oh my god, that was long distance. Oh yeah. I know that was gonna be expensive. Papa Midnight skull called Sedona, his sister in hell. Yes. And she reported back that Constantine was going to be betrayed. Yeah. In the Saint of Last Resorts, we saw one of his old girlfriends, friends, partners in crime. Enemies with benefits. Exactly. Um, turned on him. She sure did. She, in a big way, and, you know, gut shot him and left him to uh, distract the Ingunche by being eaten by it while she and the babies escaped. Right. Do you think that was the betrayal being discussed by Sedilla, or is there another one coming? My personal theory? Yeah. That wasn't it. That's my theory as well. I have a theory as to who the big betrayal is going to be. Is it going to be Manny? It is going to be Manny! <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I harp on this from time to time. I no longer think Manny is evil, but I think Manny's going to get there. 
I absolutely do. Okay. And I think that that may be the betrayal mm-hmm. that they are referring to as Manny turning against John. I think, I'm just going to throw it out there. A, I think that Manny is going to be the angel that they deal with in the Resurrection Crusade. Okay. The one who's got this tie to Zed. Uh, I'm not going to give away too much because it's all in the comic book. If you want to know what I'm talking about, read the comics. Um, but we know the Resurrection Crusade, which they, they've mentioned and, and you know, producers mentioned, and even uh, we learned about from the Saint of the Last Resorts, right. Zen being captured by the, the crazy cult people and right. her father coming after her. So we know that that's going to come into play. Right. And without giving away too much, uh, Zed's father's master plan does involve an angelic presence. I think it would be really interesting if that angelic presence turns out to be Manny. Mm-hmm. And just going to go out there. It's a crazy thought out on the limb. I would love it if Manny became the big bad of season two. Oh, interesting. I think that could be really, really, really cool. Well, and for that to happen, he would have to have, in a lot of ways, more limited powers than he has now. Right. So if, for instance, he did something and was banished from from heaven right and forced to live here among the mortals he still had some of his powers but not all of them then he he could be a foe for John well and they because as it, with his powers as he is now it wouldn't even be he would be like he would win but they went into such exhausting detail to describe how an angel can fall and how an angel can walk on the material plane. I, that can't be an accident. Okay. I really think that they were setting up what's going to happen to Manny. Yep. I, I think that's a fabulous uh, theory. I, I'm still a fan of the idea that Manny will be tempted and may even go so far as to betray John, but will come back from that. I think there's a redemption story there. Sure. That, But that doesn't preclude him betraying him. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be interesting? We, we've already discovered that angels can only walk on Earth if they've been harmed. Uh-huh. Wouldn't it be interesting if John is the one who harms Manny and traps him on the material plane? Oh, yeah. I, that would be certainly be reason for Manny to maybe carry a grudge. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's fun. I like that. Yeah. Let's see where that goes. Ooh, good. Okay. Uh, and the other thing that we wanted to talk about was, um, and I don't know how much we should talk about this. Uh, we wanted to talk about John's survival because we know right. we, we, we talked about briefly earlier the fact that he's been shot but also the fact that we know he's going to survive absolutely because it's his show um and right. we come back next week and it's like why is the show now called Chaz right exactly <laughs> all new graphics it's just Chaz dying and re- re-resurrecting over and over and over crushed by a car walking down the sidewalk safe falls on him that's our relaxing Chaz in a hammock <laughs> Chaz the sitcom that's a bold reinvention oh man so there are I, I don't this is where I'm, I'm a little I don't want to give away stuff from the comics too I much. know I know um, so maybe we won't talk about I don't know what do you think I think stay tuned I Tony and I are pretty positive we know how John beats it in so much as we've both seen the preview for next week which I was shocked by the way when I watched the preview how much they gave away yeah and I think anybody who's read the comics has an idea of it too um, but uh, there's there's potential for some very cool things to happen that could take the last five episodes and hopefully more seasons in some neat directions and if it's what I think it is it's going to cost John big time in a way that cannot be resolved in a single episode 
Like there, there. I think we're going to see ramifications of his salvation uh, throughout the rest of the season. Well, I would love that because one of the things that I love that we got early on in the Devil's Vinyl, I think, was that moment where he was explaining to Zed that uh, the spell cost him a year of his life, a little bit of his life. Yeah, yes. he gave up a little time on Earth to get a little information from the dead guy, and. I love that aspect of it and would love to see more of that happening. It's a neat idea. It's actually a little concept that's dealt with in one of Ray Bradbury's books. If you can tell me which book I'm referring to, uh, you get a point for Gryffindor. I don't know why I keep saying that. I've never read the Harry Potter books. Well, because Gryffindor is awesome. Hello? That's the other reason you need, Joe. <laughs> also, you should go read a Harry Potter book. Don't tell me what to do! <laughs> I can't help it. I'm getting, a little, I'm getting a little sugar high from all of the cherry Pepsi and red vines I've been eating. I'm not going to lie. I did sip, uh, slip some rum into your uh, cherry Pepsi. I would think I can't feel my Ooh, face anymore. So good. I do have one more theory I want to throw out there. Just all right. A, just a me thing, because I'm, I've thought about this for a while, and I'm hopefully excited about it. Let's hear it. I think we're going to see the Spectre in the final episode of the season. I think Corrigan is going to die at the final episode of the season, and I think we're going to see him. Be- I don't know how much we're going to see the Spectre, what, what, how much of the Spectre is going to do anything, but I, my gut is telling me that we're going to see the Spectre take form, fully take form, yeah. in the final episode of the, uh, of the season. Right. And I, I, there's a part of me that's like, hey, David Goyer, David Sorone, if you're listening to this, please make that happen. Because, <laughs> dear Lord, if you show me the Spectre in the final minute of the final episode of the season, I am going to lose my mind until until season two comes out, and I think that's a great way to drum up some interest. Sure, that's very possible, and it feels like there are that's heading that way. We know he's in episode 13. Right. Um, already public knowledge, because Angelica Salea and some other folks tweeted about they were filming the last episode, and it was great to have Jim Corrigan back, and yep. blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't know if he's in episodes between now and then, uh, but, but we'll find out. I believe he I believe he was contracted for uh, multiple episodes this season, so we may get to see even more of him. Yeah, so there's uh, there's good potential there. And yeah, it would be, it'll be interesting to see how they end this season. Yep. Because... You gotta end it big. Well, and you know, they're, they're wanting to get an episode, or a season two... But how much did they take into account for the fans the idea of, but if this is the end of it, do we give them any closure? Like if right. season one ends and then there's no more, are the fans going to be left hanging forever and ever? Or is there a closure with potential for continuing on? You know what I mean? Like, will it be cliffhangery or not? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it's going to be cool to see, though. I'm excited. Right? So, Joe, that's, I think, about it. I'm running out of Cherry Pepsi. Uh, That's on you, Tony. And, no, it's probably good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so I think we should wrap this baby up. Any further thoughts? Uh, Only that I cannot wait for Constantine to hit the airwaves again because I cannot wait to see what's coming. So join us, uh, everybody. Come back January 16th. Watch another fabulous episode of Constantine and then that's a Friday Joe and I will be recording that Sunday evening I think I think that's somewhere in there and so you have you know 24 36 hours or so to get us feedback about that episode 
please do that. We would love to uh, continue the conversation with everyone listening, because especially if these wind up being the last five episodes, let's uh, let's talk about them. See what uh, what we can chat about. Right. Be so fun. Wonderful. Hey, uh, also, if you get a chance and if you're enjoying the podcast, go to iTunes for us. Do us a favor and leave us a review. Just let us know what you think. We'd appreciate that very much. I hope that iTunes thing takes off, man. It's been so under the radar. You think? I don't know. That little startup Apple. I know. We'll, we'll see. God, let's 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 keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us for our wonderful uh, mid-season hiatus retrospective dance party celebration. It's been fun hanging out with you here at Jasper's. Uh, Joe, put down the, the helmet. Put the helmet down. Put the helmet down. The helmet's going to put me down. Um, all right, I'm going to go take care of Joe, everybody. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.